For several weeks on Sunday evenings, we have been studying some favorite Bible passages. Since I will not be speaking tonight due to the young men conducting the services, I thought it would be appropriate that this morning's lesson address two of those passages. Brother Ken just read to you from Proverbs chapter 24, verses 3 and 4. And Proverbs chapter 14 and verse 1 says, A wise woman builds her house, but the foolish pulls it down with her hands. Those two verses, those two passages, were recommended to me by several different individuals as their favorite Bible passages. I also received a note a few months ago asking me if I would preach a lesson on building a strong Christian home with some emphasis on some practical ideas that discuss how you and I can have the kind of home that God wants us to have. Solomon uses the figure in Proverbs 24, verses 3 and 4, as well as Proverbs chapter 14 and verse 1, about the idea of building. And so I want to use that figure of speech this morning as we discuss building strong Christian homes. The truth is that building a building can be an exciting time. I know that uh, in congregations where I have been, we have in the past had either a building addition done, as we have here, as I did in the congregation where I previously worked. I've also been in an area where people were building their own homes to live in, their physical houses. And it can be such an exciting time because you're going to have something new to live in. But let me also tell you that a building can be a disaster. Buildings can sometimes be a headache that you didn't anticipate. Problems can arise when poor building materials are used. Problems can arise when poor workmanship is employed. For instance, if you'll remember when Nehemiah returned from the Babylonian captivity with the instructions of rebuilding the wall, those who were the critics made a statement which I think is very significant. Tobias said in chapter 4 verse 3 of Nehemiah. Now Tobiah the Ammonite was beside him and he said, Whatever they build, even if a fox goes up on it, he will break down their stone wall. All of us know that there are some people who do not put the proper effort in building and create something that can and will fall. In fact, this year on April the 24th, in Bangladesh, the Bangladesh Rana Plaza collapsed, killed 1,127 people. Just a few weeks ago, the report was released, and it said there were two main reasons why that building failed. Number one was poor building materials. Number two was poor construction. So it can also be a disaster. And so what we're going to do is to take the illustration of Solomon. Through wisdom, a house is built. And by understanding, it is established. And by knowledge, its rooms are furnished. We want to think about that from four different perspectives. We want to talk about 
having a good set of plans, laying a proper foundation, using quality construction, and then finally the idea of repair, renovation, and remodeling. Let's begin, first of all, with the idea of proper plans. Now, if a person is going to build, there's two aspects to the planning stage. The first one is, what do you want? You go to a contractor or to an architect, more likely, and you say, we want to build a house. The first thing the contractor or the architect will ask you is, what do you want? Do you want a three-bedroom home? Do you want this? Do you want that? And then the very next question will be, how much will it cost? You need to think about having a strong Christian home. There's two aspects. What do you want? What are you expecting? And then number two, what will it cost? And Jesus taught us the importance of counting the cost. For instance, in Luke chapter 14, beginning with verse 26, he's describing people who will follow him. And he says, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. And now he gets to the point about counting the cost. For which of you, intending to build a tower, does not first sit down and count the cost whether he has enough to finish it, lest after he had laid the foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it began to mock him, saying, This man began to build but was not able to finish. People need to do as Jesus said to do, to think about what they are entering in and then to make the proper plans to complete it. He goes on to use another illustration with regards to a king coming against another with war. Are you willing, in counting the cost, to live up to the vows that you would make, that is, till death do us part. We need to understand the significance of making a promise to another person and keeping that promise. If you do not know, you do not intend to keep that promise, do not make it. Listen to Numbers 30 verse 2. If a man makes a vow to the Lord or swears an oath to bind himself to some agreement, he shall not break his word. He shall do according to all that proceeds out of his mouth. Folks, here's the bottom line is, if you make a promise to someone, whether it is to pay a debt, to be at a location, or to do a job, or to be faithful to a person, you do that to the very best of your ability. In the book of Ecclesiastes, Solomon references this by saying, When you make a vow to God, do not delay to pay it, for he has no pleasure in fools. Pay what you have vowed. Better not to vow than to vow and not pay. If you do not think that you will be able to keep your word, don't start building the house. Number two, are you willing to give and to share? 
The truth is so many people don't understand that marriage and a home involves giving as well as receiving. Being willing to share what you have and even of yourself. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 3 and 4 says, Let a husband render to his wife the affection due to her, and likewise also the wife to her husband. The wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband. And likewise, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. What Paul is saying is there is affection due. If you can't render that affection, then perhaps... You're not qualified to be married. You see, that's an obligation. That's something you should think about before you enter into marriage. In the latter part of that chapter, in verses 31 or 33 and 34, but he who is married cares about the things of the world. How he may please his wife. If you drop down to the last part of verse 34, but she who is married cares about the things of the world, how she may please her husband. That's the way God designed it. You need to be thinking about, I'm making my plans. I want to be married. I need to be thinking about, am I able to give and to share? Are you willing to sacrifice? That means to... Do without something. Give up something yourself for someone else. When Paul compared the marriage of Christ to his church to that of the husband and the wife, he said in chapter 5, verse 25, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. Dropping down to verse 28. So husband ought to love their own wives as their own bodies, for he who loves his wife loves himself. It's essential as you make your plans to choose a competent architect or a competent contractor. I will tell you that I love watching home and garden television. In fact, if I'm going to watch TV... Usually this time of year is maybe sports, but the other times of year is probably going to be a building show. One of the things that I enjoy is watching these shows where they come in and they fix what a bad contractor has done before them. And one of the main messages is you need to know who it is that you are hiring to build your building, to build your house. Do they know what they're doing? Are they licensed? Are they capable now here is a question. Who is it that is designing your home? In Psalm 127, verse 1, Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. Unless the Lord builds it. We need to realize it's not in man's capacity to figure out how to have a great home. I need direction, and it needs to come from God. God must be an active part in any successful home. You young people who are thinking about getting married, here's one of the first things that ought to be on your mind. Number one, will this person that I am about to enter this marriage with help me go to heaven? Will this person here help me spiritually? 
Or will they tear me down spiritually? As you make your plans, God needs to be a part of your home. Number two, laying the proper foundation. The foundation is the most important part of any building. People might say, oh, but no, what about the the decoration, the beautiful lighting and all? No, the foundation is the most important part. Jesus taught us that in Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him unto a man who built his house on a rock. A wise man who built his house on the rock. The rains descended, the floods came in, the winds blew and beat on the house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But whoever hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who's built his house on the sand. And the rains descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and great was its fall. You can build something that may appear beautiful, but if it does not have a good foundation, it will not last. Which leads us to the idea, what is the foundation of so many marriages For many people, it's simple physical attraction. They see someone, uh, for a girl, she sees a handsome young man. For a boy, he sees a beautiful young lady, and he thinks, oh, I'm just, I'm smitten with love for her. The truth is, beauty fades. I know some of you young people who are really fit and trim and good looking, and you think, I'm going to stay this way. Look around at some of your older friends. That's what you're going to become. That's reality. Beauty fades. Some people place their their thoughts and their plans and their foundation on dependence. Will this young man provide me a good living? Is he going to get out and get a good job so I can be able to enjoy all of what his work is going to provide me? Or for a young man, is this woman going to cook my meals? Is she going to wash my clothes? Is she going to keep the home spotless and beautiful and meet all of my needs? You see, many people enter marriage selfish. And I hate to say it, some people now view marriage as temporary and disposable. We have become a disposable society. What do you do if your television breaks? Throw it away and go get a new one. What do you do if your microwave breaks? Throw it away and go get it. We don't fix anything anymore. So many people have looked at marriage now as it's not something that you fix. It's something that, well, I don't like this person, I don't like that person, so I'm going to just get rid of them. No. If you don't start with a foundation that says in sickness and in health, in poverty and prosperity, in good days and bad days, till death do us part, you don't have a right foundation. Jesus stated it very simply in Matthew 19, verses 4 through 6. And he answered and said to them, Have you not read that he who made them in the beginning made them male and female and said, For this cause 
Or for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and shall be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. And what God has joined together, let not man separate. Notice the three aspects that are involved here. You leave father and mother if you're not mature enough to leave mama and daddy you're not ready to build a foundation on a real marriage. You cleave to your wife, to your husband. That involves to them and to them alone. And then you weave, if you will, as they blend their two lives into one flesh. Number three, quality construction. Now, I've got to ask you, if you think about your home, what really makes quality? It's a person who gives some attention to detail. It's a person who is constantly saying, okay, now let's get this right. Oh, but it may not be the biggest thing, but I want everything right. Let me point out to you the importance of small things. That's where quality is really found, is in small things. I want to use as an illustration a passage from Zechariah chapter 4 and verse 10. And for me to use it, I need to explain the background of it so you'll appreciate it. The children of Israel, many of them had seen the temple that had been built by Solomon before it was destroyed. After they returned from the captivity and the foundation was laid and the new temple was constructed, many of the old people looked and they said, it's nothing. And here is the response of Zechariah, Zechariah 4.10. For who has despised the day of small things? For these seven rejoiced to see the plumb line in the hand of Zerubbabel. They are the eyes of the Lord which scan to and fro throughout the whole earth. As that temple is being built, there's a plumb line. And that plumb line in the hand is a rubble, he said. When they see that, they're rejoicing. Because they know the presence of God is back. Because his eyes are seeing to and fro. You go to the book of Haggai and you see that explained. Who is left among you who saw this temple in its former glory? And how do you see it now? In comparison with it, is it not in your eyes as nothing? Some people look at things and they don't understand the significance of even the small things. Let me tell you what. You want to build a strong Christian home, pay attention to little details and do it right. Jesus praised those who would give just a cup of cold water. Matthew 10, verse 42. And whoever gives one of these little ones only a cup of cold water in the name of a disciple, assuredly I say to you that he will by no means lose his reward. The little things. Well, let me talk about just a few of those for you. I can't go into detail about everything, but words. What you say and how you say it means a lot. 
Well, it doesn't matter. I just, I just told her I didn't like that. Or he told her that wasn't any good. The tone of a voice and a well-placed compliment can be worth more than you can imagine. Solomon said in Proverbs 15:1, A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. You want to create conflict in your home? You want to destroy a good day? Watch the tone of your voice and make sure your words are not harsh. Think about how you say what you say. Proverbs 15, 23, A good man has joy by the answer of his mouth and a word spoken in due season. How good it is. Men, sometimes your wife needs a well-placed compliment. And if you're wise, you'll do that. Arguments. Someone says, oh, we argue all the time. You do? Is that really good? Is that really helpful? Proverbs chapter 17 and verse 14 The beginning of strife is like releasing water. Therefore, stop contention before a quarrel starts. Imagine someone trying to pour water into your hands. Oh yes, you'll catch some of it. A lot of it's going to go over you. You're not going to be able to stop it all. When you start an argument sometimes, you don't know where it's going to lead. Oh, it may be over something small. It may be over something truly insignificant, but it's gotten out of hand. Oh, but you don't understand. I can't let them get the upper hand on me. Listen to Proverbs 20, verse 3. It is honorable for a man to stop striving, since any fool can start a quarrel. You want to show you're bright, you're intelligent, you're wise? Stop it before it ever gets started. Quality construction means that in the Christian home, there's got to be loving, consistent discipline as well. Colossians 3.21 says, Fathers, provoke not your children lest they become discouraged. Chapter 6 and verse 4 of Ephesians, And you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and the admonition of the Lord. In Hebrews 12.5 and 6, he talks about not being discouraged when we are chastened, Because every son who is chastened is loved. And Proverbs 29.15, The rod and rebuke give wisdom, but a child left to himself brings shame to his mother. Small things like taking care of your resources. If you want me to put it in plain words, watch how you spend your money. What does it take to live live within your means listen to Luke 16:10 he who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much he who is unjust in what is least is also unjust in much Luke 19:10 or 17 says and he said to him well done good servant because you were faithful in a very little have authority over 10 cities and I like the way Solomon puts it in Proverbs 27, 23. 
Be diligent to know the state of your flocks and attend to your herds. Sometimes when we're faced with being young and starting out our marriage, we have wants that exceed our resources. You've got to make sure that you live. Just small things are very important. Quality also says that we have to make sure we place greater emphasis in the more important areas. Let's say, for instance, you need to work on your house. And you need to, you say, I want to put up some beautiful wall coverings. I want to have some beautiful crown molding. But inside of those walls are rotten structures. Oh, it may be beautiful on the outside. Jesus talked about that to the Pharisees. Matthew 23, verse 23. He said, Woe to you, scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites, for you pay tithe of mint, anise, and cumin, and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, love, justice, and mercy, or justice, mercy, and faith, and these you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. And then he explains in verses 27 and 28 that they're like whitewashed tombs. Outwardly they appear beautiful. Inwardly they're full of extortion and dead men's bones. Now let me ask you, when you start thinking about more important versus less important. Now parents, this is important here. What do you place a greater emphasis on? What our young people do with the youth group or with sports? If there's a choice, do our kids participate in secular sports or do they do spiritual things with the young people of the congregation here? What about secular education versus spiritual education? I'm sorry, you can't go to church on tonight on Wednesday night because you've got homework that needs to be done at school. Those same parents will come ten years later and say, Why has Johnny left the church? I don't know, when, when do we make a mistake? When you made the mistake was is when you put anything above the Lord. There's some things more important in this life. You want to have a quality, great Christian home, put Christ first. Choices made now will affect the family in the future. Now the final point. Homes fall into disrepair due to neglect. Solomon said it well in Ecclesiastes 10 and verse 18. Because of laziness, the building decays. And through idleness of hands, the house leaks. You don't do any repair, any maintenance, any work. You know what's going to happen? It's soon going to fall down around you. Some people think, okay, I tell this woman I love her. He tells this man I love him. And that's good enough. And we're just going to get through life on that beginning. No. Homes have to have maintenance. Even God's house was neglected. I'm talking about the temple of the Old Testament. At least three times. During the reign of Joash, Second Chronicles 24, 4, and 5, 
you'll notice they had to repair the house. And I want to notice specifically with you, verse 5. Then he gathered the priests and the Levites and said to them, Go out of the cities of Judah and gather from all Israel money to repair the house of your God from year to year and see that you do it quickly. However, the Levites did not do it quickly. Some people just don't understand the importance of maintenance and repair. You see it again again during the days of Josiah, and that's when they even found the book of the law that had been missing. Some families find out the Bible has not been a part of their lives, and it needs to be. And following the captivity, the prophet Haggai was sent to try to stir the people up to build the temple because in their minds there was not a, a pressing need And so the response was to those people to consider their ways. The latter part of verse 5, he said, You've so much, bring in little, you eat but don't have enough. And the problem was these people had no longer had an enthusiasm for God and God didn't have an enthusiasm for them. And the same thing Haggai 1, 7 through 9. The bad must be removed and repaired. And yes, at times there must be improvements to our homes. There's a great need for people to return to a focus on quality in many areas. In our country, we need people who no longer work just to do a job, but they want to focus on some quality in what they produce. There's a time for us, those of us who are Christians, to say, what kind of home do I have and can I make it better? What needs to be repaired? What needs to be the focus of what I'm trying to do? Neglect will cause a house to fall and it will cause a home to collapse. But well-maintained homes can be a place of joy and happiness. The greatest family of which you and I can be a part, though, is God's family. And I want to encourage you now to take your songbook out. We're going to sing a song of encouragement. And that song is to urge you to respond to the Lord's invitation. You get to be a part of God's family when you obey the gospel. You do that by believing that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and repenting of your sins, confessing your faith in Him, and being baptized. Until you are baptized into Christ and become a part of Christ, you're not a part of the family. The invitation of Jesus is he wants everybody to come to him. Once you are a part of the family and you enjoy those wonderful blessings, from time to time we become like the prodigal son. We see something somewhere else that attracts us, that pulls us away, that diverts us. And it's only when we come to ourselves and we think in our minds, I'm not where I need to be. I need to go back home where the blessings are found. I'm sure in our number we have those who need to respond 
to correct sin in their lives. That's who you are. We encourage you to respond as together we stand and sing.